listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, just two verses. Luke 15, 1 and 2, reading in Jesus' name. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Short text, short sermon. I'm not making any promises, but let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that as we study this brief passage, we can see that you call us unto yourself. You call us to sit at your feet, to learn, to listen, to understand, and then to proclaim the truth that we know. Lord, today as we look at this text, may we see that we are the tax collectors, that we are the sinners. Lord, that we're also the Pharisees and the scribes, and that's why we need you. So Lord, open our hearts and our minds to receive that which you have for us. May my thoughts and my words be clear. And Lord, all these words, by your grace, come from you. So may we receive them as such. And Lord, today may we leave changed for the proclamation of your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a church, we've been studying together this theme of being a missionary. And usually when you hear the word missionary, the first thing that comes to mind is somebody who serves overseas. We've learned, though, that that's not always necessarily the case, that we serve as missionaries right here in Osakis, in Todd and Douglas County, in Snooze Valley and beyond, with our neighbors next door. We've learned that even though sometimes we may not feel we have the words to say, that the Holy Spirit empowers us. We've learned to use Scripture because through the Word, God creates faith and understanding. And we've been challenged to think of ourselves as a missionary, again, not just for the people across the ocean, but for the neighbor across the street and down the block to be able to be used by God to share the hope that we have. I know that I've been personally challenged to think about what does it mean to share my faith and live out my faith beyond just Sunday morning in the sanctuary, but daily as I walk and interact with different people in my life. The fact of the matter is it matters that we're missionaries because the world right now is looking for hope. If you're anything like me, sometimes you turn on the news or read it on your phone or tablet or computer, and sometimes it almost takes your breath away. How inflation is impacting people. The price of things are up and jobs are down in some areas. We think about uh, the war in Ukraine that's become a normal part of our thinking. At first, we were shocked by this, and now this is an ongoing struggle for these people. We look at the famine that's starting to hit again in Sudan and different places in Africa. We look around and we think about the millions of babies murdered each year before they're born. And sometimes we just can't even process and digest this awful things that's around us. That's not to discount the good. By God's grace, there's so much good. But the world is looking for hope. The world's looking for some place to belong and understand and be connected. 
And friends, we approach these things by the grace of God with an eternal perspective. I've said many times, and I think it's true, I don't know how a non-believer does it. Do you know what I mean? If you do not have the promise and the hope of heaven, you would look around at the world and you would probably be despairing. Because if this is all there is, man, there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of bad. People are looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for a future. Because we know as believers that one day, no matter how we feel, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We look at the news and we say with the other saints, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. We look around and we say that this world is not our home, that the sufferings here are temporary, but keep in mind that our neighbors here and across the ocean don't have this calm assurance. They don't know about Jesus. Maybe they've heard him, maybe they haven't, but they look around and they do not have this sure promise of heaven. And friends, this is a big reason we have church. This is a big reason we're talking about being a missionary because we too need to hear this news each and every Sunday and each and every day that Christ lived the perfect life that we could not live ourselves, that he died the death we deserved, and that, amen, he rose again from the grave. Because of that, we have eternal life. That's the old, old story that we gather together to hear each Sunday. And that's the old, old story that we share with our neighbors, our community, and the nation. We have the sure promise that as God's word is read, proclaimed, as it's given to us in the sacraments, that the Holy Spirit creates faith in our heart to believe that this is not all there is, that this is but temporary. The world, we need this message. Our neighbors need this message. The tax collectors and the sinners in our passage need this message too. Verse 1, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Who were these tax collectors and sinners? One of them is really easy because literally who they were is in their title. They were tax collectors. <laughs> now keep in mind that there's probably not a lot of people here who love April 15th each year. Tax day. You've paid in all year. You probably have to pay more in. You look and you say, I am so thrilled to pay my taxes. Now that may be an annoyance for us and not politically. I understand taxes, all that stuff. But in this time in history, a tax collector was not just collecting taxes. They were shunned for two reasons. One, generically, across the board, they were thieves. They did not receive a salary from Rome to collect taxes. They would take an extra amount from the people that they taxed. This was common practice. This is documented in the Bible. It's documented in other ancient sources as well, that a tax collector could become very wealthy by saying, yeah, you actually owe a 1,000 of this, when really they only owed 500. And the Romans would back them up and have the authority, and they would say, oh, absolutely, you owe that much. So tax collectors became very wealthy. The other thing about tax collectors were is they were aligning themselves with the Roman Empire. And as a Jewish person, to align with the Romans was to say, I don't believe in my heritage. I don't believe in the faith. Instead, I'm going to serve Rome and her gods. So to be a tax collector was to be a bane of people's existence, to be on the edge, to not be wanted. And even to associate with a tax collector was to connect yourself to them and say you're okay with doing what they did. The word sinners here is a pretty broad term. People far smarter than me wrote in a commentary that these sinners could be considered the societal outcasts of the day. Robbers, thieves, those living in sin, the riffraff on the fringe. Perhaps to contextualize it today, we could say those who go to the bar too much. 
those who we say abuse the welfare system, those who march in the streets and carry signs with causes we don't believe in, we would say, huh, not those people. They were looked down upon, disliked, scorned, and even hated. So we have the who, now we have to ask why. Why were these tax collectors and sinners drawing near to Jesus? The first thought, and it's a beautiful one and it's simple, it's because he didn't turn them away. He didn't scorn them as the Pharisees and the scribes did. He was willing to let them draw near. He didn't say to them, hey, get your act together and then come see me. He proclaimed the good news to them right where they were and just how they needed to hear it. Secondly, the tax collectors and the sinners came near to Christ not simply because he was willing to allow them to approach him, but because from him they heard words that they heard from nobody else. Everyone else heaped condemnation, scorn, and hatred on them. But they sat at, her, at Jesus' feet and they heard that, yes, indeed, they were dirty, rotten sinners. They heard they must confess their sins and repent. But that was not a work they had to do. It was a work done by the Holy Spirit in their lives and offered to them in grace. And friends, this was a grace that nobody else offered to them. This was nothing they had heard from any of the religious leaders of the day. The message of the day was do more, give more, be better, follow these rules, and maybe someday if you try hard enough, you can be half as good as a Pharisee. Imagine showing up to church each week and hearing that message. I think attendance would dwindle pretty quickly. But the reality is, these people kept going, and they heard from Jesus. The law of your sinner, but the grace of your welcome and you can be forgiven. As it was with Christ, so it must be with the church. If we have reached a time where the tax collectors and the sinners of the day aren't comfortable walking through those doors, we have to ask why. Is the church known as a place of gospel and rest and hope? Or is the church known as a place of condemnation and law? We don't need our message to be fancy and flashy. As the Apostle Paul said, we, don't, we, we do need to contextualize our faith. He said, to the Jew, I become like the Jew. To the Gentile, a Gentile. But we don't need fancy and we don't need Hollywood special effects. No, we have the simple gift of loving our neighbors in thought and word and deed and proclaiming to them, no matter what you're going through, I have the answer to your problem and that answer is the person of Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. We look around and we see people hurting. And friends, I understand it's awkward. One, it's our culture. This is not unique to the Midwest, but it's especially strong here. We don't like to get involved in people's business. We like to talk about people's business. We do. We have a gossip problem sometimes. But if someone's hurting, how do we become involved? How do we love them? And are we known for the condemnation, for the bad choices that people make, or are we known of coming up and showing up alongside of people as they're hurting and saying, I don't know what you're going through, but I know someone who does. And his name is Jesus. And he's with you. As it was with Jesus, welcoming the tax collectors and the sinners to sit at his feet, by God's grace, may we do the same. And friends, that's the heart. That's the core of being a missionary. On the other side of these sinners and tax collectors, we have the Pharisees and the scribes or the Sadducees. Verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, 
This man receives sinners and eats with them. Note something interesting right off the bat. What do they call him? They don't call him Jesus. They don't even use his name. They say, this man with scorn and condemnation. They can't even bring themselves to say his name. Can you believe what he's doing? How could he consider himself a teacher if he associates with these people? The tax collectors and the sinners drew near and the Pharisees and the scribes pulled away. The great Lutheran commentator Lenski put it this way. Listen to this. These men were scandalized because Jesus did not treat these disreputables as they did. In their holiness, they completely kept their clothing clean of any and all interaction with open sinners and thus clashed with Jesus on this point. Listen to this. It was unspeakably terrible to eat with them. It was unspeakably terrible to eat with them. Who would we say today it's unspeakable to welcome in or to share a meal with or to love? There are at least six times in the Gospels where it notes that Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus did not care what the establishment thought of him. He had a mission to proclaim the good news to the sinners, to the captives, to the tax collectors, and the Pharisees and the scribes as well. This is really good news for us. Because depending upon the circumstance and the situation, we may find ourselves acting like everyone in this story except Jesus. We are the tax collectors. We are the sinners. And all too often, we're the Pharisees. Maybe you identify most with the sinners sitting around the table, wondering if you really belong at the feet of Jesus. Do the sins of the past and the present heap condemnation upon you? In the deepest and darkest moments, do you wonder if you can truly be forgiven? You need to hear the words of Jesus, knowing that he welcomes you to confess your sins, and he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The action in that verse from Romans is the one who does the forgiving, and that's good news. Maybe you identify with the sinners and you don't know if you belong at the table. You look around at those people in the other seats and you say, I'm just not good enough. I can't talk like that person. I can't sing like that person. I can't share my faith the way that that person does. Maybe you look around and you say, they don't know what I've done. They don't know my past. Or maybe worse and even more so in a small community, they know what I've done. The reality is that God's church is made up of perfectly broken people. He is a calling and a place for each of us to belong in our own way. You don't have to fit a certain mold to be here. By God's grace, you say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And you fit right in with all the rest of us sinners, redeemed by the grace of God. Maybe you feel your place at the table has been forgotten. Maybe the disappointment of a broken or forgotten friendship weighs heavily on your heart. You say, would anyone even notice if I didn't show up? Friends, these wounds can run deep, and part of being a missionary is loving those closest to you and those far away. 
Friends, sometimes it can be the hardest to love those closest. (laughs) Can it? But they need Jesus and they need us to have a missionary mindset for them as well. As a body of Christ, we are living and loving each other by His grace. I ask you to consider, is there someone that you've forgotten? To those who feel that may have been forgotten by the body, to those who say, I wish someone would come to me, rest easy in this calm assurance that Jesus says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. In fact, the only thing he forgets, or actually the, the more accurately way to say the thing he chooses to remember no more, is your sin. He has not forgotten you. You aren't forgotten by Jesus. He died and lived and rose for you. And we have the promise of heaven where there's no broken relationships, no people forgotten, and we can have perfect peace and joy in the family of God. Come and sit at his table. Friends, I stand before you today as the chief of sinners, the Pharisee among Pharisees. You are too. By God's grace, may we confess our sin of judging others. May we confess that we're not always welcoming, that we're too preoccupied by our own wants and needs and desires. May we confess that we judge people that are different from us in different ways. May we confess that so often we look at the outside instead of the heart. May we confess that we judge others based upon their past mistakes. And as a sinner, sometimes we let our politics determine our compassion instead of the word of God determining who we offer grace and compassion to. Instead of proclaiming Jesus, we proclaim a political party. But the solution for the world's problems to all the things we see is Jesus. And friends, we do this to each other even. I stand before you today knowing that my heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. In the body of Christ, sometimes we look at another believer and we say in our heart along with the Pharisee, thank God I'm not like that other person. Probably don't say it out loud, but I know for a fact that every person sitting here has wrestled with that. Just like the Pharisee, thank God I'm not like that sinner, not that person. Does that break you? It does me. Because I see in that moment the deceitfulness and the sin of my heart. That I could look at somebody, instead of offering law and gospel and grace, I offer condemnation and judgment. But friends, here's the part that gives me hope and good news. Jesus knows that that's my heart's condition and my heart's reaction. And he promises in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36 that I will give you a new heart. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And friends, we have this beautiful and wonderful and awful and confusing dynamic of being a sinner and a saint at the same time. And we can have these moments where we look incredible compassion upon someone and the Holy Spirit's working and moving in our hearts and we love them and we ask God to help us love them. And then the next one, a thought can pop into our head. Ha, so glad I don't have to deal with that. And it's both. But friends, both of those mindsets are covered by grace. Both of those views are covered by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can say, Father, forgive me for my judgment. Forgive me for not loving. Forgive me for not sharing your word. And each and every time, because of the blood of Jesus, he grants me the gift of repentance and the gift of faith. And I can say with all the saints of old, thank you, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me when I couldn't forgive myself. 
our friends, our neighbors, our community, our state, our nation, all of mankind needs to hear this good news. So I ask you here in this moment to consider this simple question. Who can you share it with? Take a moment and between yourself and the Lord, ask the Lord to show you a person or two that you don't think knows Jesus. Ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to share the hope that you have and to love them. And friends, this is a dangerous and a powerful prayer because I guarantee God's going to answer this prayer. I guarantee it might make you uncomfortable. I guarantee the evil one will pop in and say, oh, I'm just going to pray for them instead of actually talking to them. I guarantee you're going to have the thought of saying, I don't know about this, and I don't know how to do that. Maybe I can just drop off some cookies and tell them God loves them. All those things are important. But in boldness, step out in faith and say, you need Jesus. There's no hope apart from him. There's no eternal life. There's no real joy and forgiveness and assurance apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So friends, pray that prayer. And I guarantee, I guarantee God will answer it. The verses that follow our short two verses today in our text are beautiful. They're probably familiar to you. Jesus goes on to tell the parables about the lost that is found. He tells of a lost sheep, how he goes out and saves it. He tells of a lost coin that they search the entire house for and find. And then he tells of the lost son and how he's saved and brought back and welcomed by his father. The context here is absolutely stunning. Because Jesus was preaching this message and teaching this message to everyone who was there. He was saying to the tax collectors and the sinners, I'm coming for you. Come, hear, learn, believe, receive. And friends, he was saying the same thing to the Pharisees and the scribes. Come, learn, believe, receive. And friends, as we know this message, as it impacts our hearts, whether we feel a response from the Spirit or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's true. God's Word does not return void. And we have the promise that knowing that when we sit under the teaching of God's Word and read it and believe it, that our hearts are changed. So in boldness, this week, this month, this year, by the grace of God, the rest of your life, may a daily prayer be for you. Lord, show me someone today who needs you. Show me someone today who needs you. And in the gospel gift of response, may we share the hope that we have. And also, may we share that hope with ourselves. And may we know, no matter what we feel, no matter what we've done, no matter how we look at things, that because of Jesus, he says, come. Come sit at my feet and know you're forgiven. Amen. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkjolhaug at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.